Uh, a very, very warm welcome to you all to our service this morning. Uh, it's great to see you. Uh, if you're watching online, it's great to be able to welcome you here as well. If you're new uh, or if you're visiting, then please do uh, make a point of uh, grabbing either Colin or me uh, after the service. It'd be great to get to know you all a little bit better. Uh, this morning, we're going to be continuing our series uh, through Ephesians. Uh, And Colin this morning will be preaching on the first part of Ephesians 4, uh, speaking about the gasoline of God's grace. So looking forward to uh, uh, having that unpacked for us. uh, Let's uh, let's just uh, ready ourselves and our hearts for the service this morning, ready to uh, meet with God. So let's just take a moment uh, to pause and still our hearts and minds. Father, we do thank you so much uh, for this morning. We thank you for uh, Naomi. We thank you for Rob. We thank you for the love that they have for one another. And we pray that you would be at the heart of their preparations as they journey towards marriage. We pray for ourselves this morning. Father, I pray that the distractions of the day would be set aside. Ready our hearts to meet with you. I pray that you would unstop our ears, that we might hear you speak. And Father, help us uh, to know your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Jesus says these remarkable words, are very famous words in John 3.16. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There's amazing truths, aren't they, right at the heart of who we are as Christians, that God so loved us that he sent his son to live the life that we should have lived and then to die the death that we deserve so that we could be brought in to fellowship with him. Uh, Last week we were uh, in Ephesians 3 and um, part of the message we were talking about the importance of gathering as church uh, and uh, supporting and encouraging one another. Uh, and at the end of the service, as I stood by the door saying goodbye to uh, uh, the church family as they left, uh, Val came up to me, Val Tomes came up to me and said, uh, as you were speaking, I, I really wanted to rush up uh, and uh, speak to you and share uh, something with you about the importance of gathering together, of being together as church family. Uh, so uh, Val, would you, would you like to come up this morning and uh, uh, share what the Lord laid on your heart uh, last week as, uh, as an encouragement to, to us this morning? So you weren't, you, you'd All I can say is be careful what you say to the pastor when you go out. <laughs> because I can't, I, I used to go home to Ken and say, oh, it's a great sermon. And he'd say, what was it about? And I'd go, um. <laughs> so it's really difficult for me. To, but I know that Saab was saying the importance of being in, in fellowship and with all our um, Christian family. And after Ken died, once I go over the shock, the only thing I wanted to do was be here with you all. And I think that just tells you what Christian family means to us as Christians. Just, just being here with you is just so wonderful. And just through the years, they, just having this church family has been fantastic for us. They've been so supportive. You know, we've been through some quite hard times at times. And you know those times when you feel you can't pray or when you do pray, it just goes up as far as the ceiling and doesn't get any further. But you know that 
all your, all your church family are upholding you in prayer and carrying you along at that time. And to be part of a Christian family, to be part of a church family, for me, is just wonderful and so important. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, we've, uh, we've just sung, haven't we, uh, some amazing truths. We've reflected on uh, God's uh, love for us. Uh, but at times we've not lived uh, in a way that reflects uh, those truths. And so it's good and proper for us just to spend a moment to stop and to reflect uh, and dwell on our own lives and to come before our Heavenly Father and say sorry uh, for the times where uh, we have lived uh, in a way that uh, is not pleasing to him. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, Be imitators of God, love as Christ loved. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Put away all anger and bitterness, all slander and malice. So in a moment uh, of quiet in our own hearts, uh, let's confess to God uh, the times when we've lived for ourselves, uh, where our love for him has been lukewarm, where we have been ashamed of our Saviour. Just bring those times to mind. Uh, Father, we are sorry uh, for the times we have used your gifts carelessly, uh, the times that we have acted ungratefully toward you and toward others. Uh, We're sorry for the times when we enjoy the fruits of your harvest, your bountiful goodness towards us. Uh, But we forget you, the giver of those gifts. Forgive us, Father, for the times when we are more interested in ourselves being full and satisfied and are deaf to the cry of the hungry. Forgive us for the times we are thoughtless and don't care for the world that you've made. Forgive us when we store up goods for ourselves alone as if there were no God in heaven. We are sorry for all these things. Amen. Amen. And that we might know his assurance. Uh, We know that through the amazing work that he did in sending his son uh, to die for us. That if we trust in him, that we have eternal life. So take heart in that. Amen. Let us come before our loving Heavenly Father in prayer. Psalm 8 says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When we consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. And yet, Lord, you have provided through prayer outrageous access directly to yourself. Thank you for this privilege, knowing that you hear and answer our prayers. We come to you, a holy God, 
Thank you, Jesus, for your willing sacrifice on the cross. Thank you that by believing and trusting in you, we can know eternal life. Death is not the end. Alleluia. And we thank you, Father, for sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray for more of you in our lives. Come and fill us afresh. Make us more like Jesus. Empower us to serve and witness to those around us. We lift up our world to you. We marvel at your creation, the beauty all around us, your incredible design and sustaining power that holds the universe together. And at the same time, so many places are troubled right now. The situation in Ukraine breaks our hearts. We pray for a miracle in that region. We pray that peace may reign once more. Give wisdom and inspiration to the Ukrainian leaders. Thwart the plans of the Russians. Strengthen believers in both countries to speak up and lead people to you. And with the risk of famine, a very real threat, we pray that the export of wheat from Ukraine will be made possible. Closer to home, we remember those who are suffering and mourning at this time. Thank you that you are a God who comforts and gives real peace. Especially, we remember the Finleys at the loss of Bill, Rob's father. For the Tomes family at the sudden death of Ken. For the Heimash family at the loss of Steve's mum last week. For those mourning in America. And we pray for those who may be known to us personally who are mourning right now. Let us spend a few moments bringing the above and others before the Lord. We pray for a good recovery from surgery for Sue, Claire Howe's sister. May she be very aware of your presence at this time. And we also lift up Oriel to you this morning, Dina's father. May the light of your love break through into his life. Bring healing to him, we pray. We thank you for all the missionaries that we support as a church and for their faithful service. Today we pray especially for Julian and Lydia in Romania. Give them the wisdom they need as they seek to help Ukrainian families. May they continue to be salt and light to everyone they meet. Protect them emotionally, physically and spiritually as they serve others. We ask you to bless John Billett's preaching little Kimball today. And we pray for ourselves as we reach out to our neighbours, friends, family and work colleagues. Give us a deeper love for others who don't know you. That we might seize opportunities to talk of and demonstrate your great love. 
And finally, we want to thank you at this time for our Queen. We thank you for her openness regarding her faith in you. Bless and strengthen her as the nation prepares to celebrate her jubilee this week. We pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, and verses 1 to 16. So if you do have a Bible, great if you can turn there. Um, and in the blue Bibles, it's on page 1175. Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, please do, if you have a Bible, keep it, keep it open. And uh, if you also want to follow along uh, on the sheet here, um, I've written some Ukrainian. Hopefully it's correct. Uh, <laughs> the risk. Um, but uh, please do follow along. If, that, if you find that helpful, great. If not, no problem. Let's pray as we come to God's word together. Uh, Father God, we thank you for uh, the gift of your word. We thank you for all that you've done uh, for us in and through the Lord Jesus. And we pray, Father, as we come to your word now, that we would hear your voice, that we would be transformed by the power of your spirit uh, to live lives which bring glory to you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder, what do you do to keep your body healthy? During the pandemic, uh, lots of people were bulk buying vitamin D to try and keep their immune system uh, high uh, to prevent, obviously, getting the virus. 
And maybe today you continue to take vitamin C or vitamin D or cod liver oil or zinc or all those things like me. Just to prevent getting anything so that you won't uh, fall ill. Maybe you try and eat a balanced diet to try and stay healthy. uh, Trying to avoid cakes and sweets and biscuits. Trying to avoid eating cakes, sweets and biscuits. Uh, Maybe you go for regular walks. And maybe you play some sports from time to time to keep yourself healthy. Maybe you have grand ideas of losing weight and exercising. And you've yet to put those into practice just yet. But you're on the initial planning stages. And so it will happen at some point soon. Recently in my own life, uh, I bought some gym equipment to save me going to the gym in the morning. And... My uh, complaint is I've got a shoulder problem, and so the most exercise I've got out of it is vacuum uh, around it. Uh, I have lifted some of the equipment as I vacuum under it, so maybe that counts. But whatever activity and, and diet we have, we do so to try and keep our bodies healthy. And the same is true for Christians, because we, we're not just individuals, but we are a body of believers, We're a body of believers and we want to grow in healthy ways. We want to grow to become more like the Lord Jesus. Uh, We want to grow in him and to live distinctive lives, to live holy lives for the Lord. As we are God's chosen people. And praise God, it doesn't depend on our own strength to change, to become holy, to be better. It doesn't depend on our own strength and steam. Because God's grace fuels us. God's grace fuels us to live as God's chosen people. And he does that in three main ways. One is to maintain unity. The other one is to minister to others. And the other piece is to mature together. And so firstly, we maintain unity. Paul urges the Ephesian believers, as he says in verse 1, to live in a manner worthy of the calling you have received. Interestingly, Paul could have appealed to them on the basis of his authority, that he is an apostle. He could command the Ephesians to live differently. But he doesn't do that. Instead, Paul identifies himself in chapter 3 and in chapter 4 as a prisoner, a prisoner for Christ. As he is suffering along with the believers, he wants to call them to live lives which are radically different, not based on duty, but based on God's grace. As he says in chapter 3, in verse 7 and 8, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given through me through the power of his, the working of his, of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. It is as a result of receiving the grace of God that Paul calls them in verse 2 to be completely patient, to be gentle, to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. In the light of the grace of God, we're called to live with humility to live with humility as all that we have been given is a gift of grace and therefore how can we in any way be proud how can we boast to anyone about anything we have if we let the gospel of grace just shape our hearts shape our lives 
then it will radically transform us. We won't have to worry about what people think of us, what people say of us because of what we have or what we don't have. We won't become envious or jealous of other people because all that we have received is by grace. And that should keep us humble. And this is what Tim Keller writes when he speaks about humility. He says, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity makes a brilliant observation about gospel humility at the very end of his chapter on pride. If we were to meet a truly humble person, Lewis says, we would never come away from meeting them thinking they were humble. They would not always be telling us they were a nobody because a person who keeps saying they're a nobody is actually a self-obsessed person. The thing we remember from meeting a truly gospel humble person is how much they seem to be totally interested in us. Because the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. Only really as the grace of God shapes our lives, shapes our affections in every part of our lives, can we take our eyes off of ourselves and on to others as we seek to serve them. And we'll serve others because of God's grace and we'll be shaped by it because we want to live a life which is fueled by his grace, a life which leads to contentment. As we seek to serve others and pray for their good, then we'll even pray for those who perhaps we find quite difficult, maybe we find a little bit annoying because they're different from us in some way. But interestingly, as you uh, read um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, he speaks about that a lot. And he says, I, I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray for, for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. Because if we are really shaped by the grace of God, then we should, we should be praying for other people. We pray for those people who maybe we don't even like. We can pray for them because God's grace shapes us. And that is what he does. Because he, the Lord shapes us by the power of his spirit to make us humble. And he, as Paul says, that we would produce the fruit of the spirit that is gentleness, patience, and love. As we keep the unity in the spirit. As we maintain that unity. And that's what Paul wants us to do as he, as he goes on to say in verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Interesting, we're called to, to keep the unity and not create the unity of, of, of what we have in Christ. As it's only through what Jesus has done. Only through what Jesus has done that we have that unity together. And that has been sealed together by, by the Holy Spirit as we are his body. He is the one, the spirit of peace who brings that unity to us. And Jesus and his spirit bind us together in peace. And we are joined together because of what we share in the Lord Jesus. As Paul says from verse 4 to 6, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Interesting, when you read through the list there, I don't think it's a mistake that there are seven mentions of one. 
Seven is the biblical number for completeness. That, that they, that, that we have in one sense this complete unity. And Paul wants to underline that as all those who are trusted in Jesus, as we are part of one body, that is the church, united by one spirit, called by one hope, in the one Lord Jesus, in the one faith, in one baptism, literally meaning soaked in the spirit when we first believed, and believing in one God and Father of all things. The beauty of Christian unity is that it's slightly different from any other unity. As everyone who trusts in Jesus shares in this unity. Every Christian in the whole world shares in this unity because of what they have in Jesus. Because the unity that we have is through the work of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, as Christians, we really have a distinct and a beautiful picture of unity to the world. Nowhere else in the planet can you find it because we have Unity in diversity. As our God is not just one, like uh, the God of Islam, but God is one in three persons. And so we have this expression of unity in diversity. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all equally God, but different in their role. Just like in church, where we have this union, this unity together, And yet we don't all look the same. We don't all act the same. We complement one another through the diversity that we have. This is really the glorious picture of the church. This should be the glorious picture of who we are as Christians. And so we maintain the unity as we're fueled by God's grace to live as his chosen people. And then secondly, we we minister to to others in light of God's grace. As you look there to verse 11 and verse 12, Paul says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Paul is really he's building on his previous statement from chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 20, that the apostles and prophets are those who laid the foundations of the church with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. You must therefore ask, how many times do you lay a foundation in a building? Just once. The church is built on the Old Testament prophets and on the apostles who have a distinctive role as they laid these foundations of the New Testament church. And they did so as their authority didn't come from themselves, but they were called by the will of God by Jesus Christ himself as he had seen him in the flesh and then they had the authority to write scripture they had the authority to speak for God and the evangelists share that is the evangelists share today in the good news of the Lord Jesus as Christ gave his church pastors and teachers probably really the same role pastor, elder, overseer uh, to be able to equip the saints to serve them The phrase equip his people for works of service can also be translated ministry. Because as we minister to others, we build one another up in the body of Christ. Through ministering to one another by the gifts that God's given us, we grow to become more like the Lord Jesus together. 
It's not just pastors who do this ministry, but, but it's the whole body. We want to equip you to do the work of ministry. That is our, our hope and our goal. The goal really is to, to use our gifts to, to build one another up, not just for no reason, but to build one another up to become more like the Lord Jesus, to build one another up in love. And there are so many opportunities to do so. There are so many things that people are already doing to do that, to build one another up in love. Because there are people doing so much. There are people writing cards to university students to encourage them when they're away. There's people baking cakes for ministries and events. There's people who are making meals for those who are uh, maybe lonely or just would enjoy a good homemade meal. There's those who are hospitable on Sundays or during the week, hosting people for meals. There's others who maybe serve their spouses who are ill at home as they seek to minister to them. Others make phone calls or visits to home to encourage those people. Others maybe share a word of encouragement or pray for people down the phone as they share what they've read in their daily devotions. Others read the Bible one-to-one to minister to others. Some people serve tea and coffee, either at church events or invite people home. Others do events here at church, being able to, to cook or to do the washing up, to serve in whatever way they can. Some people mow the grass, fix the lights, clean the floors, to be able to minister to one another. Some people maybe just come alongside young mums through toy box and baby box to share the love of Jesus through that. Some people lead home groups. Other people maybe just serve in the small details, the important details, like finance and emails and everything else to be able to minister to one another. Maybe those in the tech team like we have this morning help and being able to minister to the saints this morning so that we can do what we do. Others use their gifts to play musical instruments, to be able to sing praises to the Lord. Others teach the word to Sunday school, in Sunday school. Others teach the word throughout the week to young people. Some people use their ministry gifts to be able to share the love of Jesus in whatever they, in whatever place the Lord places them. Maybe others pray for missionaries and serve them and care for them. But all of us are praying for one another. All of us are seeking to give the word of God to one another as we seek to build one another up in love. And that is what is already going on right now. Imagine if we poured more fuel on the fire. Imagine if we did even more to build one another up in love. What would that look like? How strong and healthy would this body of believers be if we use the gifts that God has given us to be able to bless one another, to serve one another and build one another up in love? What would that look like? And we don't do it forced by some kind of guilt, but we do it fueled by God's grace. Because as we minister to one another, we do it by his grace And we do it to mature together. As Paul says in verse 14, as we minister to one another, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the winds, by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. When you think of infants or children, maybe the one thing that they lack is that of discernment. They perhaps 
like the shiny toys, but maybe not the things which are really good for them. Perhaps if you uh, asked a, a young person to make a healthy meal in the kitchen and you just left them to it, I wonder what they would choose to eat. Maybe they would make something like a salad. Maybe not. I would think that they might be drawn more to some biscuits or crisps or something sweet and easy to eat. And I suppose it's like that when we come to to the Bible. It's quite easy to pick something which is quite sweet and looks good. And yet we also have to be discerning. Not like children, not like infants being tossed back and forth. But mature, mature believers. And that's why we really need to know how to read our Bibles. We need to know how to read our Bibles and so we can know what is true and what is not. What seems like a very attractive trend and what is actually true. We can't just follow the sugary things of the day, but we need to know the things which are actually true, that we would grow up in truth. And so we're really to display this discernment in our own Bible study and as we minister to one another. And and, and Paul says, instead of being like that, being tossed around, he says in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And the challenge here is keeping the tension between truth and love. In the context, Paul's warning is against those false teachers, those who are crafty, trying to, trying to win people uh, for their own, their own gain. Uh, but he says, he, he says, no, speak the truth in love. Speak clearly and lovingly. Speak the truth in love. And this is really how he says we become mature as we serve one another in this way. We speak lovingly and truthfully. In doing so, we become more like the Lord Jesus. We become more built up like him. And that is what Christian maturity looks like as we all do our part in the body. Because as we minister to one another, then we do display that. We want to display the aspects of truth and love in all that we do. Honestly, for, for my own life, I find this really difficult. Sometimes I can say the right thing, but in the wrong way. Or sometimes I think I'm being loving when actually truth has to be spoken. I wonder what about you? Where, where might you lean? In truth, this is how it is. I just call a spade a spade. Or in love, do you lean perhaps more backwards in not engaging when you perhaps should? I'm sure in our workplaces and in our school setting, this is a really difficult challenge to know when to speak and to know what to say as we try and speak the truth in love. We need discernment and we need wisdom in how to do that. That's why we want to build one another up. As a church, as a body, we want to do that. We want to become mature so that we would grow in maturity as we minister to one another. We want to grow in maturity and in unity as we do that as a church. But as, as we think about it if, it, if it all depends on us, if we are the ones that have to continually strive to do these things, to, to keep unity, to minister and to mature then perhaps we can become quite hardened because it's all on us. 
And so how do we, how do we solve that? How do we get away from that? Well, the beautiful thing of the gospel is that it is a gospel of grace. As Paul says in verse 7, if you look there, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. It means that all the gifts that we have, all the good things that we're able to do, are gifts of grace. Because God's grace fuels it all. It is all of God. As Christ has apportioned it, it says, Christ has has given it to you. So we cannot be boastful in what we have. These are spiritual gifts. These are gifts of the Spirit, gifts from God. And we can't be jealous of what other people have either because they are gifts of grace. We don't deserve them, but we receive them. We receive them to be able to use them for others. Interestingly, Paul goes on to cite Psalm 68 in God giving gifts to his people. Psalm 68 describes the Lord as a victorious warrior. As in the ancient times, a conquering general would take prisoners of war and captives or slaves and distribute all the booty and the treasure to his people as he returned to fanfare of joyful shouts of celebration. And Psalm 68 would have been read by the Jewish audience to, to celebrate their rescue from slavery in Egypt, followed by Moses ascending up the mountain to receive the law from God. But then as Paul goes on in verse 9, he asks the question, what does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly realms? And so how are we to, to join it all up? How are we to make sense of this? And what does it have to do with growing together in grace? Well, Paul adapts Psalm 68 and uses it in the context of what the Lord Jesus has done. As the Lord Jesus, who is gentle and humble in heart, descended from the throne of glory and dwelt among us. Because he came as a man, a servant, and then a sin offering for us on a cross he died the death that we deserve to die that we would receive forgiveness because he claimed victory over death through his resurrection before ascending to heaven and because of Jesus ascension to heaven at Pentecost he didn't give us the law like Moses did no he gave us the gift of his Holy Spirit he gave us the outpouring of his spirit And so that we would receive the ultimate victory sign that we have uh, amazing gifts to use for the upbuilding of his people. And now because of what Jesus has done, he has ascended into heaven and he reigns over all. As he says in verse 10, he who ascended is the very one, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Because in Christ's death and resurrection and ascension, he reigns over everything. Jesus Christ is Lord of all, of all things. And he has given us his church, the gift of his spirit, that we would have gifts of grace to be able to build one another up and to do so in 
love. To build one another up as we bear with one another in love, as we speak the truth with one another in love, and as we build one another up as his body to become more like him. I wonder, how can you be part of what God is doing in your life? Perhaps you're serving in a way already. Maybe you'd like to serve in another way to be able to build one another up in love that we as a body of people would become mature, that we would love the Lord Jesus and live lives which display that. What would that look like for you? Let me pray as we close. Father God, we thank you for your loving goodness to us. We thank you for your lavish grace that you have given us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the gift of your spirit as he has given us gifts to use to build one another up in love. And we pray, Father, you would help us to understand what gifts you've given us that we might be able to serve one another, to build one another up in that love. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for uh, the words that you have spoken to us through Colin. Thank you for uh, the word that was read to us. Thank you for the way that you've been ministering to our hearts this morning. Father, pray that you would continue to minister to our hearts, knit this fellowship tightly together around the truth of the gospel. Empower us to love one another. Place in our hearts a desire to serve our brothers and sisters. Free us by your spirit that we might seek to use the gifts that you have given us to serve the people that you have placed us alongside. And we pray by your spirit as we dwell on your word that we might have discerning hearts. Help us to encourage one another to speak truth in love and live as you have called us to live. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now that does bring us uh, to the end of our service. Uh, if the Lord's spoken to you and you would like prayer, please do pray before you leave uh, this space this morning. Pray with the person that you came with uh, or grab somebody in a chair nearby and do pray. Some words of encouragement, as Paul writes at the end of uh, his letter to the churches in Corinth, the end of his second letter, he writes this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.